he asked me to take a walk with him. He didn't say anything for the longest time. And then he turned to me and he said, Woodman, we need each other. Words and music. And he crossed his fingers, showing how they go together. Remember, words and music. All right, it's time for episode three of our Words and Music podcast. I am Crystal Blue, and this time around, we have Big Rob Ralston in studio. I always call you Big Rob Ralston. Yeah. Your name's just Rob. Yeah. It's Rob. I'm just Rob. You're just Rob. Just Rob. Nothing just about you, though, my friend. Well, I try to be just. (laughs) Well, yeah, true. But, I mean, there's nothing just. I don't want to demean Big Rob. Hey, I'm just me. Just me. It's cool. My mother would scold you. Really? For saying stuff like that. There's nothing just about you. That's what she would say. There's nothing just about you. Say, I'm me. That needs to be a song. I agree. Are you going to write it? Sure. Okay, because good, because I can't. <laughs> I can't. I am nowhere near a songwriter. I, uh, I attempt to be. I play one on TV. You play one on TV and sometimes on the radio. I try. Yeah. So uh, let's introduce the folks to Rob Ralston, a.k.a. Big Rob. Uh, okay. <laughs> Where do we start? Um, where I don't know. did it start for you? When was where, where did music start? Where did music start for you? Where did it come into your life and turn the tide? Um, let's see. Uh, my mom was a singer. Oh, okay. In the seventies, like a like a hippie singer. A hippie singer. Like down in Richmond when she was in college and stuff in the early seventies. Like a folk singer. Yeah. Tambourines and flowers and things. She played guitar. Right on. And sang and. Uh, there was always music around the house. Uh, we have a cousin who was friends with the Carter family, so I was influenced by You mean by June Carter? Like uh, June and Helen and Maybell and Anita. Yeah. Like, you know, the people in the rock and, or the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame, those folks? Yeah, so they were just people. <laughs> they were just people to you growing like, up. You know, when you're young and then like in the third grade, you have to have a pen pal. Sure. Helen Carter was my pen pal. So Helen Carter was your pen pal. Yeah, so I didn't think anything of it, like... So you're in the third grade. How old is Helen Carter at the time? uh, That's a good question. Was she Um, a younger sister or an older sister of June? No, she was, I believe she was June's older sister. June's older sister. Mm -hmm. Okay. But she played everything. She played guitar, accordion. Yeah. um, Auto harp. They all played auto harp, right? Now, do you still have those letters? Yes, they're in a lockbox at home. That's really cool. So it's pretty awesome. And I have, I have pictures and stuff and, what would you say when you're in third grade? What would you write back and forth to Helen Carter? It's just, I haven't even read them in years. I just know they're in there. My yeah. grandmother kept everything. Right. Um, just general, you had to. Uh, it was a school assignment. School assignment. Mm-hmm. And you had to write. It was, you know, everything was set up. <clears throat> was, it, was it the kind of thing where you were writing to just someone you knew? Or was it you needed to write to a celebrity? I believe it was you had to attempt to make contact with a celebrity okay and i knew that my cousin she was a celebrity to me although she had been around a bunch so uh it just seemed kind of fitting nailed it yeah (laughs) she was always extremely gracious that's really cool that's really cool Mm -hmm. so you grew up around some incredible musicians yeah and i was who was your cousin who is your Uh, ronnie williams he Mm -hmm. plays uh all around uh, ronnie williams and the carter family sound and they still played in the carter fold and um, he has a tremendous group of musicians who also I grew up looking up to. Dennis Stanley, one of them. Right. Um, 
I don't know. It just always was around. It wasn't. I never thought about being a musician or do anything to be with music when I was younger. It was just always there. So, at what point did you pick up an instrument? How old were you? Do you remember? I started playing drums when I was eleven. So, eleven years old, you start banging around on the drums. And what's that situation like? Is that like a family gathering and you're hanging out? Middle and everybody's, school. When so, you when you you know, oh, I want to be in band. Sure. And you you want to rebel. Yeah, and you kind of mm-hmm. want to be in band because either you have a friend there, you're chasing girls. Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> it's just like, you know, oh, I want to play an instrument, but I didn't want to play you like a flute or right. a clarinet or a trumpet. You don't want to be on the French horn. My lips were too fat <laughs> for a trumpet mouthpiece. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> Those things are like the size of a dime. And Trump, trumpet wasn't happening. My jaws <laughs> were just too large for the trumpet mouthpiece. I was too lazy to carry a tuba. Uh-huh. And the drum kit's kind of always set up for you, right? Well, in middle school, the drums, it was just a snare drum. Oh, okay. Or you could clank some cymbals, or sometimes sure. you got a triangle solo. Which Maybe was a xylophone cool. on a good day. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just the easiest thing. Yeah. And then I kind of fell in love with music and, you know, took lessons. And in high school, was in marching band. And when sure. I decided that football hurt too much. Football does hurt. Yeah, <laughs> let's just be honest. I didn't like hurting. Some people are like, oh, it's pain, and that's a great thing. No and pain, no gain. Soak it off, and I'm like, oh, nope. I want to walk Friday nights. It's cool. <laughs> so you turned to music. Mm-hmm. Music was your BFF. Yeah, so- and I I was lucky because I had um, – my mother was my main musical influence. Mm-hmm. I mean – so did you start out playing folk music? I mean, what kind of music were you playing? Were you playing country music right off the bat? or were... I was just playing whatever they told me to in school. Sure. And then... Saints um, go marching in. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Saints go marching in. I think, it, you know, some Lion King, stuff sure. like that, because that was the big thing. That was what was happening at the time. Yeah, and then uh, I was really lucky because my mother never banned any music. Nice. Now, my dad caught me a few times listening to things he didn't like and destroyed what would your dad catch you listening to that he didn't like? You're really going to laugh. T- tell me. Rap. Rap music. Like So the, in your house, sister. rap music was, uh, Tupac was not happening. No, and, and I guess that's what turned me on because I, I can do probably every Snoop and Tupac song. Yeah. Because, you know, and you're kind of the same age as me. You're mm-hmm. a little couple of years younger than me. But back in the day in high school, that was the thing. Well, there's something magical about mm-hmm. all that stuff that Dr. Dre worked on because it's not just a computer-generated thing. Right. It was 70s funk and folk music mm-hmm. with this crazy beat behind it. And yeah. These guys that weren't just talking about breakdancing or something. There was actually right. something there was content. to it. There was mm-hmm. very – and, you know, Tupac was – although people thought of him as a thug, was very eloquent and very educated. Very brilliant lyricist. Brilliant. And, yeah. And Snoop – Same thing. So, go ahead. <coughs> so, um, <laughs> you just have these guys that, that you really wouldn't expect it from that could just string things together. Right, in unexpected ways. Yeah. And make it sound melodic. With this amazing, my favorite genre of music, I have no problem telling anybody's Motown. Oh, yeah. So, like, that music that was the backing tracks, mm-hmm. it just floored me. It was, a, it was, there was something really magic, and my dad hated it. 
Your dad hated it, but it's something that you get excited about. Yeah. And you I, still kind of incorporate that every once in a while in your in your set list. I still love it. You I still think love the, it. the rap music today is horrible. I agree. <laughs> uh, there's no content to it. Right. Uh, it's a bunch of mumbling mm-hmm. with a bunch of computer generated. You know, these guys are, and it, look, it's all artistry. Right. Anybody that has the courage to put something together that's theirs, mm-hmm. string it out there and get behind it wholeheartedly and believe in it, it's artistry. Like, right. That's their art. To me, these a lot of these guys are out there buying tracks, mm-hmm. and they're buying beats and and taking parts of other songs and singing them and incorporating them in. Yeah, that's nothing like what you and I've. We grew up with real. Gener- oh, yeah, and and I'm sure every generation says that because I'm sure that our parents' generation is like, oh, that crap wasn't. Well, I think that we can't good. argue that our parents' generation of the fifth, this 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, where would music be without the 60s and 70s? Ain't that the truth? I mean, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. The 50s mm-hmm. kind of started changing, but the 60s and 70s yeah. is just like somebody took evolution of music and smacked it with one of those hammers at the fair and drove <laughs> it up and rang the bell. I mean, it's, it's just true. it's nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. And so going back to those days where your family was intertwined with the Carter family, and now you're talking about the Motown influence in your own um, musical upbringing, and you made me think of Johnny Cash because obviously, you know, he's right there with June right. Carter, and at the same time, he was that guy for country music. He was mm-hmm. that guy that decided to come in and do it completely differently, and they didn't want anything to do with it. They were like, no, 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 no. You belong with, you know, Motown you artists. You need to go to California. You... Yeah. yeah. And uh, he said, no, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to do it right here. I think that's a lot of the... Uh... The appeal of the highwaymen, mm-hmm. because you know Johnny was part of that group, and <clears throat> it was four guys, yeah, who were basically ran out of Nashville. Yep, the establishment hated them. Yep, Willie and Waylon said, "Well, screw you. We're gonna throw our middle fingers up and ride yep. out of Texas and we'll do our own thing." Yeah, and then Chris and Johnny kind of joined on the bandwagon later, but there, there's just. I think it's a lot to it about doing it their own way. There's a lot of authenticity in that music. It's all real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we're going to be real, Johnny and Willie and Chris really can't sing. <laughs> well, and, They're storytellers. They're and storytellers, Waylon could yeah. sing. Mm-hmm. Waylon was the one out of the four that could just wail. Yeah. Waylon was an appropriate name, but yeah. There were so many stories, and they could tell a story and kept, even though they couldn't sing. Right, they still they weren't these songbirds. You, you were just, met, you know, just boop, drawn right in. They had the charisma, where they maybe didn't have the musical ability. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So, back in the day, did you ever, did you ever come across Johnny Cash? Did that ever happen? Once. One time. Tell us about. I think it. once. Well, I saw him a bunch of concert, but one sure. time, um, let's see, it was Johnny Cash. And the Carter family and the Statler brothers played a show in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And my cousin had taken me back to see Helen before the show. Your pen and, pal. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I was like 12, 13 maybe. Wow. If that old. Mm-hmm. And we walked out of the Carter family's dressing room and there was Johnny Cash. How do you, what do you do at that moment at your age? I did nothing. I, I just stood there like, I would have oh. froze too. Like, oh my God. Like. <laughs> Cause you know immediately who that is. He's iconic. Even back then when you there's were a no kid. Qu- there's no question. Right. I mean, he's dressed in black. All black. 
<laughs> I mean, not not white anywhere. I mean, it's, no, he's, he's the dressed man in, all in black. black. And I had brought just in case, like I had a book that yeah. he had written. Oh wow! So I was just like, just in case. And you were. And turned around, and, you know, Ronnie goes, "Hey, John, we signed this book for Aww. Robbie," and I'm like, "I got that." And so you have that book still? Yeah. Signed by Johnny Cash. It's The Man in White is the name of the book. The name of the book is The Man in White. Yeah. It's written about by his, The Man in Black. It's about, well, I think he has a book mm-hmm. named Man in Black, but this was about his uh, walk to find a higher power. Okay. So. That's so cool. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, I have that book. So all these years later, how do you, how do you top that? Have you ever topped that? Has there been a moment in your musical career where you've met somebody that stunned you as much as or more than Johnny Cash? Uh, Making you think. I'm trying. You know, it's hard to say because there's different places for Mm -hmm. all the people I've met. Um, I've been fortunate because somebody asked me one day how many people had I shared a stage with or met. Yeah. And it's a high number. I've been blessed. Like I don't think I don't take any of it for granted. It's all it's all pretty awesome whether you've stood in line to meet them or whether. You know, you bumped into them or whatever the case may be. Um, I don't know really if any of them, like meeting anybody tops, that looking back at the... Uh, I mean, Johnny look, Cash. Looking back on it, like yeah. there's... That's a high bar. You know, played a show with Taylor Swift when I was in the Southern Rain Band when I was Please younger. Please tell me this story, because I've heard little bits of this story, but I have not heard the whole thing. Well, it was the night. It was during the day. It was at Aquapalooza. I think it was 2006. And her platinum party for Tim McGraw mm-hmm. was at Hershey Park that night. So they had to switch the order of Aquapalooza around. And she ended up opening the show, and we played right after her. So wait a second. Stick a pin in this real quick. Taylor Swift opened for Big Rob. Well, for the Southern Rain Band. <laughs> so the, for the Southern Rain yeah, Band. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. That's, so yeah, You've always she, got that for the rest of your life. <laughs> super gracious. Uh, her band and all was very kind to us. And, you know, it's just one of those things that you can. That's kind of amazing. You can kind of twist the words a little bit. You know, <laughs> right? Like, you know, T-Swizzle opened up for us. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. That's very, very cool. You have a kind of a similar situation uh, or a similar story about Eric Church, don't you? Yeah, well, it was supposed to be Eric Church and Luke Bryant in 2009 at Celebrate Virginia and uh, had a band called RFL with Josh Gramlin, who's now in Radio Romance, mm-hmm. and Sam Sherman, who was uh, touring with Kylie Fry and playing with Emma Zink down there on Broadway in Nashville. Yeah. And uh, Leo Dale, mm-hmm. uh, who's an amazing songwriter and bass player here in Fredericksburg. And uh, we got to call on Thursday night. The show was a Friday night show, I think. And... Uh, Luke Bryant's wife went into labor. Oh, my. So they needed support. Yeah. So we, we got to open up that show. You got to open up for Eric Church. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And that was, uh, you know, that's a pretty awesome one because. Did you get to talk to him? Did you get to have any time, any FaceTime with Eric Church? Not really? It was very brief. Yeah. Very brief and very rushed. Mm-hmm. I got a feeling the chief could sit and have a conversation over a couple of beers. Probably could. His his yeah. crew and management was great. That's cool. I'm not sure if it's the same ones. I'm sure it's not the same group as <laughs> now. But, right. Um, his show was very surprising because it was very rock. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and what do you think about the way Eric Church is doing things these days where he's he uh, no longer has the openers, his double down tour? It's just him doing two sets. <clears throat> I yeah. think that's awesome. Um, because I think that the country, the country thing has evolved. It has. Because it used to be, you know, especially this area, you were loaded with dance halls. Mm-hmm. So all you heard was bands. Right. You know, and the big, you know, Donnie Stevens, um, Joe Sacra, Charlie Collier, the Midnight Cowboys. Mm-hmm. You know, Southern Rain was one of the ones that came along uh, after those guys. Uh, you know, it was all dance hall. It was a dance hall circuit. Right. Which the dance halls have kind of gone. There's, you find them every once in a while, like down in Texas now, but, but that's know, about it. The, yeah. the places for bands to play here are really... Few and far between. You know, summertime, it's easier because of outdoor places and right. the beach is open, things like that. But um, it's really come down to a lot of acoustic stuff or duo, right? you know, things. So for somebody like me, who kind of their bread and butter is the duo stuff, it's really cool. Because yeah. it's, it's raw. Yeah. You don't have somebody. It's like very a safety intimate. Net. There's, it's, a, it's a safety net, too. When you have a band... If you flub something up, mm-hmm. you got four or five other guys there to kind of catch you when you fall. Right, and nine times out of ten, the audience doesn't notice. Never notices. Never notices at all. You know, if Eric Church goes to a D chord instead of a C chord, then there's 30,000 people that are like, <laughs> oh, my God, what, what the hell what was the that? What was that noise? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know what I've noticed about, and maybe you can offer some insight on this, what I've noticed about the Fredericksburg area in particular is that people go out to watch bands. They don't go out to dance. They don't go out to, you know what I mean? They go out to sit and watch the music. I think it got, I think the dance thing may have gotten overdone in the 90s. Maybe. I think because it was of of movement, like an exercise movement. Right, like, yeah, the line It was almost treated as a fad. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, I really think that that whole thing is what kind of killed the dance hall. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're probably right. Because it was, it, it became more of, became more of a programmed event mm-hmm. than a social event. Yeah. But now, you know, you can go into the bar and you've got, you know, some guy sitting in the corner on yep. an acoustic guitar. Yep. And maybe some kind of percussion or something like that. And they, you could just sit at the bar and chill and, and talk to somebody and it's, it becomes more of a social event. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, it's. I found it odd. We did an event a couple of years back and Emma Zink was playing and it was a full band situation. And I really thought, I mean, the way that we set up the room, there was a big dance floor in front of it. I thought she's going to bring people out and everybody's going to dance. You know what they did? They pulled their chairs out onto the dance floor and sat there and watched. And I couldn't figure it out. I was trying to, I was just like, what in the hell is going on here? Well, it's, it's that's common though. Yeah, like, it's very common. It's like people want to be close to the music. Mm-hmm. And they definitely feel the music and right. are into it. Oh, yeah. but And that's a huge transition for me because, like I said, I played dance halls right. and dances. You mm-hmm. know, there's still a couple places like when you, if you played at like Part Lerert and it's, mm-hmm. you know, they're having a dance tonight. Right. And everybody dances. Yeah. But it's really <laughs> weird. Like, it took a lot of mental transitioning. Sure. When... You go from playing in a band that's used to playing dances, mm-hmm. and then you're doing the acoustic stuff, and you sit there, and you they just stare at you. Yeah. Yeah. They really do. It's like, whew. 
It's a lot of pressure. Like the first couple of times you're like profusely sweating and you're like, mm-hmm. hey, what the hell have I done wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need to go back to doing this. I shouldn't have done this on my own. And then right. everybody's like, at the end of it, they're like, oh my God, I love you, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, why didn't they show it? Yeah. It's tough. So it's 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 weird. Um, and you've been in lots of different environments playing music. You've been on a big stage looking out over a huge crowd. You've been in the back of the room in the bar where there's maybe 20 people. You've been at private parties. You've, I mean, you've kind of done, you've run the gamut. You've even been down on Broadway, correct? Mm-hmm. Down in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your time in Nashville. What, when and where, what did you do down there? I went down uh, this past April mm-hmm. with uh, Scott McMillan and Chase, and uh, we played Whiskey Jam. Which is kind of a big deal. It's, it's one of those uh, sort of nights where people come out and showcase the songs, that they, their original tunes, right? And you never yeah. know who could be in the room. Oh, anybody could be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like a couple weeks after we went down there, Randy Travis was just out there chilling in his out. wheelchair watching Whiskey Jam. Wow. How cool. Um, it's, it's pretty, that part of town's pretty amazing. Broadway's not for me. You, you know what? I did Broadway one time. I don't know that I ever have to do it again. It's, it's definitely a tourist area, I, and it's really cool. Tootsie's was my favorite spot. I love crowds, mm-hmm. and I love people. Like, yeah. I'm a people person. Right. Broadway gave me an anxiety attack like yeah. literally i've never had one in my life and yeah. i literally left broadway and went back to where we were staying and went to sleep yep and we were done <laughs> i was done like I, there wasn't enough alcohol there wasn't like <laughs> nothing it was just yeah i just need to die now this is right the- i don't understand like hats off to emma and sam uh <sighs> yeah you know sam's t- told me at one of the bars it may have been it's either luke bryan or jason aldean's he has to l- carry mm-hmm his full drum setup. They don't have a house kit. Right. And you're talking up to the rooftop up sometimes. Two, I think he said two flights of stairs, mm-hmm. maybe three. He has to climb over the bar. To get to where his drum his, sets. To his, with his equipment. Oh, my gosh. And set the stuff up. And I'm just like, yeah, no. I'm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm really... Uh, yeah, I couldn't do that. Those yeah. guys are troopers. They are troopers. And they're doing really well for themselves down there. And super proud I'm of them. It. Super proud of them. In fact, Emma Zink, uh, if we're talking about her, she just made an appearance in the new radio romance music video that's yeah, on CMT. Being on movie stars. How stuff. cool is that? That's pretty awesome. That uh, video is really good. It's very, very My good. Boys. Yes, absolutely. So let's go back in time to the moment that you met Josh Gramling from Radio Romance. He wasn't Josh Gramling from Radio Romance back then. He was Josh Gramling that was playing with Southern Ground, which is was a band right here, Steve Davenport and uh Dan Wright, that plays for Jerry Wade, was mm-hmm. their bass player, and Snappy was a drummer. You guys were just kids back then. How old <clears> are we talking? Oh, Josh was, I think he was legal to drink. Oh, yeah? Barely. Okay. Uh, mate, well, <laughs> I don't know. He's 32 now. That would have been 2007. Do the math on that. Quite, anyway. Yeah. Um, it's been a while. I think it was. I think he was old enough to uh, buy tobacco and... Girly mags. How's that? <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. So, so you meet Josh Gramley. Really, what was your first impression? Did you get to see him play guitar? Was that what so happened? So here's first? what happened. The first time I met Josh, we threw together what's called a scab band. A so scab B- band. Okay. BT's called and didn't have a band for a Saturday night. And this was like on a Thursday. So Josh actually played bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Longhorn played guitar. Boogie Gray played drums, mm-hmm. and we were the electric catch-up band. What? 
<laughs> the electric ketchup band. <clears throat> yeah, I love it. Yeah, it was so funny. And, uh, you so know, did you, you didn't know Josh at the time? No. You had no idea who this kid was? Nope. Showed up to play bass. Yeah, we just uh, literally threw it together. Threw it just together. played like standard, you know, G, C, and D bar tunes. And yep. we had fun. And then uh, we threw together a couple more throw together things. And then we were uh, put together a band with him and Boogie and Tommy Oaks. Was he still playing bass at the time? No, he he was playing guitar. After, okay. after I knew he could play guitar. So that's what I'm wondering about. Was the first time you heard him, you saw him play guitar, were you blown away? Because was he, I mean, was he as good then as he is now? Obviously, he's been practicing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the kid just had a neck. He's he just an was incredible like, guitar player. It's just one of those things like, I think it's the same reason I love Wayne, playing with Wayne Barry so much, is that the instrument's part of him. Yeah. Like, it, there's no telling where the guitar ends and they begin. And when you're on stage with them, it's like having a conversation. Like, Wayne and I never practiced. And I throw things at Wayne that's like, yeah, we're going to try a Britney Spears or Taylor Swift song. And he's like. I mentioned looks. that to him one night. I said to him, I said, you guys don't have a set list. You have a language between the two of you. You will throw each other a look. He'll start playing something. You'll start playing. And it, it, it's it's an unspoken you have telepathy. Well, that's like Josh, uh, you know, going back to Josh. Mm -hmm. We wrote so easy together. Yeah. Like Josh would bring me a melody. It was kind of funny because all the songs we wrote were during the summer. And uh, he would bring a melody. And like, I've got this idea, like what I think, but I don't know how to string it. And we, me and him would go in my garage, which had no air conditioning. Mm. And anybody who knows me knows how much I love the summer. <laughs> and he would slam the door down and goes, you can go out when it's written. Oh. So we would like. So he just, was serious. We would just blast through songs. And it was so crazy because they were just. Yeah. It was nothing to it. It was effortless. You don't find that very often. No. Sometimes you, you, get a, you get in a room with a bunch of people and you struggle to come up with something really good. Josh and I never had a problem. Yeah. It was just click, 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 click. And there's some songs, in fact, that you and Josh wrote together that they're still playing these days, right? That Radio Romance has... No, just, that's all Josh and Sam and oh, Boyd. Okay. Um, okay. I still play songs that Josh and I wrote together. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. Some of them, and uh, like I said, Lee O'Dell was on that uh, project, and so was Sam Sherman. So mm -hmm. we had a lot of fun, got in a lot of trouble. Well, no, <laughs> it's only trouble if you don't get caught. That's right. So it's only, wait. Wait, it's, it's only, only trouble, trouble if you if do you get, get caught. caught. That's... We never got caught. <laughs> so there was no trouble. No trouble. I didn't hear that. Nobody heard that. We'll edit no, it, it was out. great. Yep. yep. <laughs> Josh and Sam. Yeah. Man, those How guys. proud are you of the boys from Radio Romance? I mean, let's because you really do have a special relationship with those guys. They're I like mean, brothers. I'd be, I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't kind of fanboying today when the video. Oh, I, I was. I could show you in my phone at twelve oh one midnight where I was like, "Hey, it dropped already." I told Randy, I said, uh, you know, honey, we got to set the DVR. <laughs> oh, it's, there are these uh, half-hour windows. We want to see it. And he's like, you can download it as soon as you get up in the morning. I'm like, yeah, but I want to see it on the big TV. I was on the phone with him at 1240 last night. See, it already dropped. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, it's yeah. uh, those guys are, they're, they're all great guys. They're family at this they point. They have worked uh, just Let's be blunt. They've worked their asses off. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. And I still remember, my little radio romance story. I still remember you um, bugging me to yeah. get them into the studio. Yeah. And I was just like, I just really don't, I'm not interested. I don't, it, it took you two years to convince me to listen to 
a song from Radio Romance. And because I think I remember the first time you approached me about it, they were playing at a sort of a dive bar that I didn't want to send my listeners to. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll leave the name out. Uh, but it was back in the I day. I was on that show. Yeah. Scott McMillan was on and that show. And I think so was Emma Zink, if and I'm Emma not mistaken. Emma Zink was mistaken. on that show. It was... Uh, if I knew known then what I know now, I'd have been all over it. Dude, that... Uh, yeah, that was... <laughs> But that it was, was one of those places in town that had a reputation. Mm-hmm. Had a reputation. And, and I, they really did at that yeah. point in time. They were really trying mm-hmm. to give that uh, that place some credit. Yeah. They were really trying to turn around a bad reputation. Yeah. And I just didn't know enough well, at the time. Th- nobody did. It was all, it was that was a crapshoot. It's a shame that it didn't turn out the way they planned it. Yeah. Because it really could have been, but it's hard to come back from some of the issues they were having. It's hard to bounce back, and it's hard to have enough money to bounce back. True that. That is, it is at that, that point in time that they were trying to bounce back is when the economy went. Yeah, right. Yeah. So then finally, after two years of you in my ear about Radio Romance, you got to listen, and you got to listen, and you got to listen to him. I finally gave it a listen, and I remember being completely blown away. And wasn't it shortly after that you saw them? At they came into the studio, um, and I had them play in our conference room. That's right. For like seven, seven eight people and some pizza. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself after they were done playing, I thought, this is the tightest band I have ever come into contact with. At this young age, they knew, and they didn't have the same, they don't have the same bass player. Adam wasn't with them at the time. Well, that, they didn't, at that point in time, if I'm correct, they didn't have a permanent bass correct. player. Correct. It was Mike, just the three of them. Michael was traveling with mm-hmm. them, and uh, it was kind of a stopgap. Yeah, Adam's and he was a, really good. Yeah, Adam's awesome, though. But even then, they kept it very tight. They all were wearing, I remember, I remember just mentally taking notes. I'm like, they're wearing similar outfits. They're all dressed in black T-shirts and jeans. They all have the same look about them, and they are on time. They showed up together. They were ready to go. They were ready to play. They had a great attitude, so professional. You will find that Mm -hmm. with them, you know, they're just, they are a team. They're a family. Yeah. They can fist fight one minute. Not that I know that, you know, I know they probably have disagree. But, but, yeah. But um, they're... Definitely, you know, all for one, one for all. They are in it to win it, most and, definitely. And Josh, you know, when he when he played music with me, he would have never stepped up to a microphone. Really? Yeah. How proud and, are you of him then nowadays oh, where I you tell get every, to see him sing? It almost, you know, it almost tears me up. And it, when I, I think the moment I, it, it hit me, Josh came home, and usually he'll come home over Christmas holiday. Yep. And uh, he'll be like, hey, man, book something so we can play. Yeah. So, one year, I booked a New Year's party at some friends of mine's house. Okay. And we played. And I walked outside for a minute to cool off and turned back around, and Josh was playing Keith Urban by himself. And I was like, <laughs> like oh, my God. My he's, boy can sing. He's bloomed. That's and then, awesome. you know, Sam, Sam's got this really rare, awesome voice where he, really he, he can do things like – a lot of times when you're a singer, it's so easy when you're in the higher register mm-hmm. to do things with your voice, like roll it or trills or scoops. Sam could do all that stuff low and high. Yeah. And it's like I listen to him now, and it's, you know, I'll, I'll admit when Josh left to go to Nashville and he had met Sam and, uh, you know, I was like, screw Sam Hayes. <laughs> you little butt hurt, huh? I'm like, man. God, <laughs> Who's my this boy's, joker? This jerk. <laughs> this jerk stealing my boy. <laughs> And, uh, but no, Sam, Sam amazes me. Yeah. 
All the four of them amaze me. And Moyes. Ooh, is he a talented drummer? Moyes just mm -hmm. if you just everybody watch that video. Like, oh yeah. So of course we're talking about the video for Like the Moon. Oh god. Their latest single from Radio Romance just came out July fifth yeah. and it is video it, dropped July sixteenth, which Yeah. That's recording day for this program. Correct. And what's funny about Radio Romance is every time they drop a new single, it becomes my instant favorite. But, <laughs> you know, so I had a favorite song of Radio Romance. My favorite song um, was, uh, uh, see, I don't even know. You because forgot it's it been already. Replaced. It's been replaced. It was way back. They, the first time they came in, they played a song for us that they had just finished writing 24 hours before that. They'd never played it in front of anybody. And they played it for us. And it was called, oh, my God, I can't remember it now. Because they've never released it. And I was always like, this is the best thing you guys have done. And it wasn't I, fixed, was it? No, it that was. That was one of my favorite. Uh, how do you go? Oh, God, I how love do you that go? song. Fantastic song. If you ever get a chance, request it at one of their shows. Ask them to play How Do You Go. And um, That was released, or, I think, on their very first EP. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. It was back. What's stopping you? Back in the day, and um, you can look for a video on uh, a couple of different websites and stuff like that. Just Google it. Um, Radio Romance. How do you go? It was my favorite song Love for song. the longest time, until like the moon. My still my favorite one is How do you go? Would be number two. Mm -hmm. uh, you coming over? Still my great song. God. They have some incredible music, some incredible. But Like the Moon, I feel like Like the Moon is taking them to the next level. They are evolving in such like, a way. And Sippy Slow, same thing. I think that Like the Moon mm -hmm. is probably the most current radio sounding most single. Yep. Like the other ones, I feel like either been ahead of the curve on what's coming mm -hmm. on radio or just behind. I feel right. like that. Like the moon, like though. the moon is the one that's like that sounds like something on the radio now. Yeah, absolutely. And John Rich is behind them. Mm -hmm. Like it's pretty cool stuff going on. Yeah, you can see a little Riviera whiskey in the uh, or Redneck Riviera whiskey in the yes. in the video. Whiskey's good. Whiskey's delicious. Whiskey's good. Isn't it so good? Mm. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get back to you. Oh, we've been talking about Radio Romance, and we <clears> love <throat> those guys. We absolutely love those guys. So we were talking before, okay. and you started out playing drums. Yeah. How did that evolve into other instruments? Because now you're more of a guitar player. Well, it started out when uh, I think I got my first guitar when I was probably 15, mm -hmm. 14. But I was too lazy to 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 really focus in on it. And then I, I started playing music um, and playing uh, singing in Southern Rain Band. And I kind of felt stupid just standing up there. So you needed something to hold. I can't dance. What can I do with my hands? Yeah, Give me I guitar. was totally Ricky Bobby in it. <laughs> and I felt kind of stupid standing up there just holding onto a microphone stand or yeah. with a hand in my pocket or something. And it's just like, I got to learn at least enough to fake this stuff. Right. And you didn't want to go with, you know, tambourine or uh, cowbell. No. You definitely want to go with a guitar. Yeah. If you're the front man. Yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, we had three singers that... They were in the front, and uh, we had a female singer, and Dickie Durrett, bass player, and the band founder, uh, he sang, and then I sang, and it was just kind of, got to do something. Yeah. And that's also where I met Wayne. Right on. So he played, okay. uh, he played guitar for Dickie, and we've Did been together kind of sort of off and on ever since. Yeah. So here, here's the other question, because I think the instrument that you play better than any of the others is your voice. 
I maintain and I tell people who anybody who will listen that you are the best male voice that I have ever heard in this town. In the Ooh. like just I know that that's a blanket statement, but Ooh. if I had to rate the local artists here in Fredericksburg, you are the top male vocalist. You just Here's your trophy. Un- you just made this uncomfortable. Here's your trophy. I'm making it super awkward. You just made this really awkward. <laughs> We talking hey, about other people now? No, no <laughs> we're we're here to talk about you, Rob. And um, I just your I'm voice. Sweating now. Your mm. voice came out of nowhere. I remember the first time I heard it, and I was just like, "Holy shit, that's Rob Ralston!" There he is, and boom, it's this big booming voice, and you can sing pretty much anything, which I love. Um, I don't <laughs> even know what I don't even know like what to say. I just, I think everybody when they like learn to sing, you you try to emulate what's on the radio or uh did you take lessons have you ever had vocal lessons no i sang in the choir with my mom at church mm-hmm. when i was about 13 i started and then um so i was at a bar one night <laughs> when i was 19 mm-hmm. and a friend of mine just kind of walked up to the band and was like, hey, so-and-so. It's actually when I was dating my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like, the guy I'm dating can sing. And the, and uh, Dickie for Southern Rain Band was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Come on up. And I went up there, and then I started filling in with him. And then he hired me, and I guess it was 10 or 11 years the first time with him. And then amazing. kind of went out and did my own thing, and then Went back when they had a vocalist dip out on them again. And yeah. How do you get, where do you get that confidence from? Where do you, uh, just to step up to a microphone. It's hard It's a, uh, for, for some of us to even just get up to a microphone and start talking. I can't imagine trying to sing. It's like the, it's weird. Um, and I don't know if it's some kind of weird being a sadist or a narcissist somewhere deep in my soul, mm-hmm. but I'm really more comfortable behind a microphone in front of a crowd of people than I am right now with being one-on-one. Being one-on-one with me. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I mean, I know you very well. It's, right. But it's still. Uh, it's out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I totally like I'd much get rather that. get, I think there's something, and I don't know if it's necessarily a gift. Um, where if you could get up in front of a group of people, and just for a few minutes, they can forget about what they got going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe put a smile on their face, even invoke some kind of emotion, whether it be remembering something sad or something happy. But maybe forget about what's going on currently. I, I believe that that's that's what music's meant to do. And Amen. if I can be part of that, that's well, that's pretty badass. What do they say? They say uh, <clears throat> uh, music speaks when you can't find the words. I think that's right. Because think about how many times as a kid, what, and as soon as you discovered music, it started to mean something to you. It started to tell you a story. It started to take you away places. And no matter what was going on in your life, there was a song that could go with it. If it was a happy time, there you played a song. Is. It's if, always. Yeah, you're bored, you play a song. You're sad, you're going through a breakup, you're going through a heartache, something like there's music. You know, there's, it's the one constant that I think we have that will literally pull you through just about anything. Agreed. Like, I, I you know, mm-hmm. this sounds really big-headed and horrible, but this is true. You know, I told my ex-wife the night before we got married, like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Mm-hmm. 
of course, you know, being smitten. Because I got a all, mistress, and her name is Music. Well, I just told her. I said, mm-hmm. Music was here before you, and it's going to be here after you. So. Yeah. And unfortunately, in that situation, you were correct. Well, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So who do you count among your musical influences? Ooh. Um, a bunch of local people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I'd, I'd say, but I'd have to say on a like big time country, right? Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard. Um, if I had to say like my true musical heroes, mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be folks like uh, Dennis Stanley, Ronnie Williams, uh, Helen Carter, mm-hmm. my mom. Yeah. Uh, and Dickie Durrett, uh, Charlie Collier, Donnie Stevens, those guys that were, you know, Joe Sacra. Yeah. Uh, it's his, he's passed on, but he used to play uh, guitar upside down and backwards because he couldn't find a left-handed guitar when he was younger. He just learned how to play. That's kind of a Jimi Hendrix story too, right? Same kind, thing? Yeah, but I think, you had to I adapt. think Jimmy strung his. Did he string it upside down? He strung it upside down, but there Joe played his upside he down He just turned back. it around. He just took a right-handed guitar, flipped it up. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, you know, there's things that yeah. I'd have to say more along the lines of I listened to everything mm-hmm. when I was younger and the the local people yeah. really were, you know, yeah. and then as you get older, you've got bands like Elephant Boy with Jojo Bayless and mm-hmm. Carl Steinbeck who plays with Karen Jonas yeah, and uh, Jeff Leach who's not with us any longer. But, uh, yeah, those guys kind of, yeah. the local thing, I think, and I really think if people are honest, if you're a musician and you're really into music, mm-hmm. you get more from the music you can go see readily. Agreed, yeah. Readily. So, you know, you get more. Case in point, like you were talking about Emma earlier. Right. I think I played the first show that I played with Emma when she was 15 or 16, mm-hmm. I, I think. I yeah. may be wrong. But to see what she's was then to what she is now. Right. And I think that's part of the appeal of, we have a lot of local music in Fredericksburg. And I think that's the appeal of it is that people can yeah. can watch people. I've officially been in Fredericksburg for a decade. And I still remember the first thing that I noticed about my new hometown when I got here was, holy crap, there's just music everywhere. And I didn't expect that out of a little town in Virginia. I really it's, didn't. Uh, I thought, oh, there's going to be history everywhere. You know, I think part of it, too, is we're 50 miles from D.C. and 50 miles from Richmond. Yep. Sort of stuck in the middle We're of the corridor. Stuck in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and we kind of get the best of both worlds. Like, yeah. You know, I know a lot of musicians from D.C. come down this way and play, and, yep. you know, we get to go up there and play some, too, when we get book places up there in Richmond as well. So it's it's kind of... It's a lot of opportunity for a musician. And it's very eclectic. Mm-hmm. Like, if anybody knew me and knows, you know, my style of music, Wayne Berry is a blues guy. Yeah. Wayne loves blues music. Yeah. Classic rock and blues. Yeah. And you know, he's stuck with the he's stuck with this big old redneck and we're <laughs> we're just you And know, you make it work. We just have fun. I love yeah. Wayne. Uh, speaking of Wayne Barry, if you want to know where this podcast came from, he was kind of the inspiration behind it. He was our guest for episode one. So if you can subscribe to Words and Music, you can go back and listen to the Wayne Berry episode where he talked about a lot of his musical influences being those 60s and 70s rockers and amazing blues guitar players. Dude, Wayne is just, uh, that's probably one of my biggest heroes just because I get to see it 
Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, Wayne he's, and I play three or four nights a week. Mm-hmm. And every night he amazes me. He's one of those guys that you just kind of sit back and watch and you're in awe it's, a little bit. It's yeah, so you're funny. Like, wow. He's in Wayne's world. Yeah. <laughs> That's the perfect way to put it. <coughs> he Wayne's has a world. Pop vinyl I bought him now that he puts on his amp of Wayne with the Wayne's nice. hat on. Oh, that's perfect. But you don't when you watch Wayne play, you don't know where the guitar stops and he begins. I love that. And it's just a part of him and it's he's in it and it's in him. And it's just one grain. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just Kind it's of magic. There. It, it is. It's not kind of. It is. It is magic. It's music. Yep. You know. It's one of those things. Like I've always loved playing music with Wayne, mm-hmm. and Wayne's gone and done his own projects, and I've gone and done mine. And then it's like we had more fun playing with each other. Yeah, you know, playing music with each other. Let's just do it. Well, you guys have a supernatural connection. There is most definitely a wavelength that the two of you get on when you play together. Either that or we're just both psychotic as Could hell. Be. And it, you know, <laughs> we may be just both neurotic as hell, and that's why it works. I always tell my daughter, I'm like, there is a fine line between madness and genius, and I know a lot of people that walk it. <laughs> it's razor thin. It really is. It's like rolling a bowling ball down a razor blade <laughs> and hoping like hell it stays on the blade. It's true. It's so, so true. So talking about the influences of all these local artists, and you mentioned one that I think um, I want to go to, and stop me if I'm getting too personal, um, because you have a special connection to him now, especially. Charlie Collier. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Charlie. Uh, yeah. That's a, <laughs> um. Well, I date his daughter. How did you meet Charlie Collier's well, daughter? Slid, and did you know it was her when you met her? I slid in them DMs. <laughs> You're so smooth. Yeah. <laughs> like butter. So did you know it was her? Did you no. know that was Charlie Collier's daughter? No. There's like two big families of Collier's around here. Mm-hmm. And one of the families kind of grew up at the end of the road that I live on. Okay. And uh, I knew a bunch of Collier's, and of course, you know, I used to have a fake ID and sneak in to see Charlie. <laughs> All those guys before I was old enough to do it. Yeah. And uh, no, I had no clue. And it was really funny because she had she didn't know me from playing music. Really? So no. she, because I'm sure she's a little bit younger than you. Just three years. Three. Don't make me feel like well, a no, I, I said a little bit. <laughs> Everybody little looks bit. at her and she looks so much younger she than I am. And they're young. like, you sorry sucker. She's, no, such um, a, she's such a sweet girl. And I know that she had um, such a strong connection with her father. Oh, yeah. Such a strong connection with her father. So it surprises me to know that she didn't know you from playing go, music. Like I that would, path never crossed. Well, so... I slid in her DMs because I was bo- <laughs> Look, you know, Facebook, that people you may know thing is dangerous. Sure. Uh-huh. So you're like, click, click, click. Well, it was like, bam, instantly I get accepted your friend request. And I was like, hmm. Interesting. I was like, you look familiar. And I guess she had, my profile picture had me playing music. Sure. Her response was, because of the local country lowdown that we do. Yes. Her response was, you're the guy off the radio. Oh, you're welcome. And that was the first <laughs> time ever anybody had, and I was like, she doesn't know I play music. This is kind of cool. I could just be Rob. You're the guy on the, oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. I yeah. love it. We talked to about 4 a.m. the first night we. And at that yeah. moment, did you bring up, or did she mention her dad? Did she you, told her, it was immediately, and I was, I was like, you know. So you made the connection right away. I really think that uh, you can bleep this out if it's. Go ahead. I believe my response was, holy shit, that's yeah. your dad. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm sure the moment that it hit oh, you. Oh, God. Yep. Yeah, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I had a fake ID just so I could watch your dad. Yeah. So you were a big fan of her dad. Now, since knowing, since meeting Amy and becoming involved with Amy, have you learned more about Charlie Collier? Yeah, but it just reinforced what I already thought of. Right. So, yeah. Um, I've never met anybody that uh, had anything negative to say about Charlie. No, neither have I. So it's yeah. kind of. I think she comes from He's good stock, and her mom's quite an amazing legacy. Her mom's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Her mom's got as big a legacy as he does. She really? loves telling jokes. She loves telling jokes. Yeah, but just awesome family. Yeah, all together, and you know that. Uh, yeah, it just kind of happened. That's pretty cool. That's. I mean, it, music brings You're people together. The Rob I here, am a little we're, bit. We're going. Oh, we're getting we're getting deep. <laughs> deep into Rob Pool. So, but I mean, that's just just another reason. In another way, that music brings people together. Yeah. Because you think about that, and there may have been, and I believe, you know, uh, the old Tracy Bird song, The Keeper of the Stars. I, be, I definitely believe that the... Uh, Divine intervention in some way, shape, or form. There's people that have a hand in things. Oh, absolutely. You know, whether you know, you know it or not. Uh, Van Zandt had that song years ago, Help Somebody. Mm -hmm. And if, if one of the lines that it that always sticks out to me is, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. Yeah, Absolutely. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I once asked you, what was your goal in music? And do you remember what you told me? <sighs> no, no, I don't remember what I told you. You just said, I just want to be the best in the Berg. I want to be the the guy I want to be that... a big fish in a little pond. Right, yeah. yeah. I, uh... You just want to be the best guy, the people that, that you want people to come and see you, but you want to stay right here in Fredericksburg, raise your boys, mm -hmm. have a life, and play some music because it's fun. And you, you know, I feel like you never want it to be work. You don't ever no, want no. music to become the job you do. No, and you know, it, it kind of is now, but it doesn't feel like it. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, that statement too, I don't think it's necessarily about being. Anything being the best. Um, I really just, <clears throat> I don't know, I really just want to to be. Yeah. You know, I, I want people to be able to say, you know, you know, kind of like Charlie. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to have a negative thing to say about me. I try to, you know, hold myself to a little bit. I want to help, I want to help younger people, uh, that want to do this and not get snookered and not get somebody to pull the carpet and abuse them because of they're young mm -hmm. and, and make sure because, you know, music won't die. Right. But the way of doing things will. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, adult, young people, it tends to be every few years you have a wave of newer folks that come in. Right. And they'll do everything for free. Uh huh. And kids are coming of age. They're yeah, learning they, to sing. They're learning to play, and they really want to get their name out there. And so they do everything for free, right? And then, kind of the old dogs are left, kind of restarting, mm -hmm. because you can't. Places want to make money, right? You can't go out here and say charge what you were charging. So you have to. Yeah. Because if you if you won't do it for the price that they want you to do it, someone else right. will. They can go get someone else to do it, and and that's a very big problem. And it's not, you know, you know, it's not. I wouldn't say it's a problem because hey, we're we're all capitalists. True that. 
anybody that's that's doing this to whether it's to keep their lights on or whether it's to pay for a habit or raise what, some kids raise kids like yeah. whatever they're doing it for and they're doing it out to make money nobody wants to take less than they're worth true true yeah and that's what like I'd like to help younger people realize is you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Not only that, don't go out here and do something for twenty five bucks, right? And you know, three dollars of food that's good, the bar is going right. to get is charging. know your worth. No, you worth. know, and maybe you don't think you're worth much just yet because nobody knows who you are, but you are because you bring that talent. You will bring that atmosphere to their bar, and a lot of times. What I find frustrating, and and we're probably just getting off subject now, but what I find frustrating a lot of times is that, that bars will hire a musician to come in and play live and then do absolutely nothing to promote them. Huh. That's a whole, <laughs> we could have a whole other podcast I know about we that. could. I know we could. I know um, we could. And that's, that's probably why I, I find myself poking into the local music scene as much as I do because I feel like there is something that at least I can do that's not going to cost them any money. Not gonna cost anybody any money. It just brings awareness, brings sh- people more into the light. We should all help each other first. Of I all. agree. You know, like I've never understood uh, other musicians going out of their way to make sure somebody else didn't get booked. I've right. never, you know, well, what's this person charge? I'll do it for less or do it for more. Or Backbiting, do- undercutting. I've yeah, never understood that. You know, like prime example, John Hunt. Mm-hmm. Incredible musician. Called him up a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, hey, somebody said I'd fit in good at this place that you play. Yeah. Would you give me a recommendation? And he was like, sure. Ten minutes later, I had a gig. Wow. And it's just like. I see him doing that, yeah. Like, wow. And he's and his exact words were, hey, we do a whole lot more good together than we do fighting each other. That's true. And that's, that's kind of been my thing all, you know. I'd like to teach younger folks that are coming up. You don't have to butt heads and fight and scratch your way in. Mm-hmm. Latch on to one of us old guys and, <laughs> and let us let us show you how to do it right. There's plenty of us around here that are willing to help. You know, right? Scott helps a lot of people, and yeah. I help a lot of. I try to help a lot of people. Hopefully, I help and don't steer them wrong. And yeah, absolutely. I've seen um, you do it. I've witnessed you helping younger artists just try and make a name for themselves. It's something. It's fun. It's like, good karma too. It's great karma. Everybody needs it. I'd a, like to have good karma riding on my shoulders. I can right? use some. It's, it's good karma. And, and y- you know, there's so many people that you could either influence them in, in a good direction, a positive direction, or you could fill them full of a bunch of BS and just watch them fail because you don't want them in your spotlight. And there are people that would do that, too. And, you know, so you have to sort of choose what side of that fence you're going to be on. You know, I was really lucky. The business model or person that I had to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always felt like Dickie mm-hmm. from Southern Rain did things the right way. Right. As far as how he conducted himself, how he carried himself, how he stuck up, uh, took up for the guys. Right. In the, our gals in the band. And we all fell under his umbrella. Right. So I really feel like I had a, a good model there. Good example to yeah, follow. I thought, you know. Yeah. And uh, so... I like to teach people like you can we can do a whole lot of stuff together. Yeah. Nobody has to butt heads. Right. This isn't a competition. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at I look at Nashville and I really learned a lot from the trip down there and then, you know, Sam going down there and we still talk pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. 
as much as those people are competing, right? They work together. They really do. Like I've, they're all friends and stuff, and it's like, how do y'all? Y'all are trying to get the gigs, and y'all are trying to yeah. yeah but there's so much opportunities to go around. There's so much opportunity there to go is. around. And that's the thing. It's like everybody doesn't have to fight for the same opportunity. Just go find another one. There's so many. There's another one right around Create the corner. Create your opportunity. Absolutely. If you're if you're so much better or you have the confidence that you are so much better than I am, mm-hmm. then you obviously feel like you are so much different than I am. Right. That would open up its own opportunity if you are so much better and so much different than the person to the right or left of you. Mm-hmm. Then you don't need to backbite, stab, or right. scratch. Yeah, just go out and do it. Your body of work is going to create an opportunity because you're that much better. Right. So let's do it together. Yeah. And let's everybody get lifted. I like it. I like it a lot. We've we've done it. We've made it to the one hour mark, dude. Well, we went what? just about. We're at like fifty six minutes. Isn't that incredible? I like the front of my mouth. <laughs> and that's why I like having you on the show. <laughs> I'm easy. Is there anything else we haven't covered? I really enjoy talking to you. This is, this is, you know, we have conversations all the time, but this, I like the fact that we get to really sort of dive this into different awesome. things. This is a pretty cool thing you're doing. Yeah. I'm what didn't we talk about? Not weather? I don't know. Let's not talk about the weather. No, the weather's boring. It's not hefty people friendly. <laughs> it's really not. It's the- Stop inviting us to things. We're chubby. Yes. And it's hot outside. I've, I got things sticking to things I didn't know I had in the first place. Stop it. Girls shouldn't sweat where we sweat. It's Neither not should guys. <laughs> Rob, thank you so much thank for you, being Crystal. on this show. And um, so the podcast, Words and Music, you can subscribe to it. Make sure you follow us along. Any suggestions for future guests? I like to ask everybody the same question. Who do you think I should have on the podcast? Throw out a name. Dickie Durrett. Dickie Durrett. Yeah. All right. I'll find him. Find him. I will find him. We'll find him. Will you help me? We'll hunt him down. All right. Sounds good. Rob? Yes. That's a wrap. All right. Thank you.